You're listening to Awakening with Rabbi Ami Silver on the Shefa Podcast Network. Join Rabbi Ami as he shares the wisdom of the Hasidic master, Rabbi Kolonimus Kalman Shapira of Piazetsna. Through the Piazetsna Rebbe's various works, Rabbi Ami guides us on a unique path of healing, transformation, and awakening to experiencing the divine that is steeped in the Jewish mystical tradition. So we're going to learn from and this is a drasha from Rosh Hashanah Leil Aleph, the first night of Rosh Hashanah, Tafresh Tzadi Aleph, Tishrei of that year was probably 1930. It starts with the Pasuk Tiku B'chodesh Shofar B'keser Yom Chagin. Tiku B'chodesh Shofar. Make a blast in the month in the shofar. This is a puzzle from Tehillim, from Psalms. But Kesel Yom Chagenu, it's a very strange phrase covering the day of our celebration. Kesel. That's what, you know, we'll, we'll see immediately what, what, what the rabbis say this means. Darshu Chazal, the Gemara says, Eize Chag Shechodesh Mitkasebo Zerosh Hashanah. Rabbis learned that the, the, the mention of month and of holiday and of shofar, we're talking about Rosh Hashanah. Chodesh also means Rosh Chodesh, means the new month. And Rosh Hashanah is beginning of the month Tishrei, right? So when are you blowing a blast at a new month in the covering of a holiday? So this is Rosh Hashanah. But Chazas is something interesting. What holiday do we have when the new moon is covered over? Because most of our festivals, almost all of our, our the three year Gali, our real festivals take place in the full moon. What holiday do we have when you can't see the moon? Covered, so to speak. The only holiday that's also the night of the new moon when you can't see a moon is, is Rosh Hashanah, and that's when we're in Shabbat. So the Rabbi asks, Navina, we need to understand. What does the covering, like the covered moon holiday, have to do with blowing a shofar. Because in the, in the verse, they come together, right? It's as if, it's as if the rabbis are learning that since the moon is covered over, this is the time you need to blow a shofar. So this is what, what the first question is asking. And, and what's the whole thing of judgment? He's just loading the questions up, okay? And he brings another um, question that's based in the Tikkunezar which is a separate book from the Sefer Hazar. It's, it's its own special book in similar language, but a different style. It says in Tikkun Hazar, Shehadin b'Rosh Hashanah u'shlosh ha'sfarim bo niftachim u'minar dinur. U'vetovli nishmati b'ainar dinur mizuhumati. Very, um, maybe cryptic statement in Tikkun Hazar. It says that the judgment of Rosh Hashanah and the three books that are open of Natei, it Somehow this all emerges from the Nahar Dinur, the, the river, the Dinur River, which is a river that the rabbis explain that the souls are tovlin by, they immerse in that river and they are cleansed from their zuhanma, from their filth, from their corruption. Some kind of like mythic image, mm. but this somehow, 
immersing in this river has something to do with the books being open, the day of judgment. Okay, he's, he's asking it as a question. But what we learn from here, without even trying to understand what it actually is saying, but one thing we see on the surface of it is that it's not just a simple point of judgment. Mm-hmm. It's actually a form of pure, becoming purified, yeah. like, like jumping into the mikvah. So let's please understand. Before we even jump in, the Rebbe is going to continue to quote from the Tikkun Zohar, and uh, and also from Tehillim. And I just want to, what I what I think he's part of where he's coming from is that there, there's a, a minhag, there's a Hasidic minhag. I'm not sure if maybe it's it's Kabbalistic in its source, but to throughout the month of Elul in preparation for Rosh Hashanah, the 30 days to learn Tikkun Zohar and say Tehillim every day, and that the safer Tikkun of the Tikkun the Tikkun Zohar is broken. There you can buy a little book, have one at home where the tikkunim are broken into 30 days of, of Elul, from Rosh Chodesh till Rosh Hashanah, and, and Tehillim are also broken into 30 days. So the Tehillim and the tikkunim are somehow kind of flushing together, and, and, and we'll see that the Rebbe is doing really just masterful things with, with those yeah. two words, okay? Om Nam Ita Rosh Hashanah. It says in the book of Nehemiah, okay, we, we actually have one source in all of Tanakh where we actually hear an account of Rosh Hashanah, and in the book of Nehemiah, where they recover a Torah scroll and they read from it. And it's just if you read in the context there, it's like B'nai Israel didn't have the Torah for however many years, they didn't even know what was written in it. And they read it publicly and everybody starts crying. We're going to see in a moment, they're all, they're all upset because they're, they're hearing the Torah for the first time in their lives and realizing they haven't kept any of God's commandments. So what does Nehemiah say to them? Hayom Kodeshu Hashem Elokeichem. After the, the whole nation starts crying and bawling, falling on their faces, he says, listen, today, Rosh Hashanah, this is a day that's holy to Hashem, your God. Don't mourn and don't cry. Because mm-hmm. the whole nation, when they're hearing the words of Torah, they're all crying. Right? But the, the prophet said, no, don't cry. I know Ashabahu Alchat Am, Rabbi saying, even though they're singing, they're crying about their sins. Mm-hmm. He's saying, no, 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 don't cry. It shouldn't be more than that. So now the Rebbe says, well, the, the, the main, the core of Rosh Hashanah, you should be crying in Rosh Hashanah. We need to be doing tshuva for all of our, all the distance between us and God, right? So why is, why is Nechemi telling them, don't cry, don't mourn? It's brought in the name of the Arizal, that somebody who doesn't cry during the Yamin Noraim, no tears during the time, it's, it's an indication that you're, something, something in your soul is, is in the wrong place, that you're, you're damaged. Right? The, it's even brought in the name of the Arizal, if I'm not mistaken, that when, when you cry during the Yamin Noraim, the tears that are coming, that is the moment you're being judged in heaven. That, that the tears are. are, are are a, a, a sign of your soul being tuned into the, the essence of these days. So why why are they being told don't cry? So the Rebbe says, The crying of Rosh Hashanah is not meant to be crying. Of, it's not mournful crying. Mm-hmm. Right? He said, Don't mourn and don't cry. The crying during this day is not a crying of mourning, it's crying of joy. It's joyful crying. 
האבלות באה מיהו שמעבדה וצער שאינו חוזר חס ושלום. What is mourning? Mourning is the pain of despair, of loss and pain of something that's never going to come back. That's what mourning, mournful tears are. והשמחה באה מהתחזקות. The joy is about being strengthened. So we see already that the kind of joy he's talking about is not some happy-go-lucky, but it's a joy of, um, I would say if we contrast it with the kind of mournful crying, the hitchazgut, that strengthening that's happening during this time is a joy of the possibility of recovery, of restoration, a hope that's emerging. Doesn't mean like everything's, you know, perfect, but, but there's a, a, a re-strengthening that causes those tears. So instead of she'inoch hozeh, right. she'on this daft hozeh. Right, it's that, 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 that there is hope, there's, yeah. there's a possibility here. I just love the tefillot of the Nimnarim. Um, one of the things we ask for over and over again, tikva tova l'tovshecha. We ask God to give good hope for all who seek you. It's like so simple and so spot on. So he goes on, So even though, yeah, we need to be concerned about about our our, our sins, about our shiflut, our low state, and we do cry a lot. There's a lot of tears we, we pour over those things. Our hearts are broken and, and we're in trepidation and fear of uh, judgment of this day. But nonetheless, on Rosh Hashanah, you show up, you dress in white, wrap yourself in white. Chazal already talks about this, like, what, who walks into court in, in the holiday dress. That's what we're doing on Rosh Hashanah. We're walking into the courtroom dressed in our finest white. Mm-hmm. Why are we all dressed up for the party? Because it's with the hope that we're going to be strengthened from here on in order to serve God with our whole hearts and bodies. And God will accept our return and will forgive and uh, pardon us. Okay, so, so yes, it's not to say there's no, we're not ignoring misdeeds, we're not ignoring our flaws, but the prime driver of this day is the hope of being strengthened, that it's, it's a new beginning, that from here on we're ready to go forward and to take a step closer. So there's a joy and a strengthening that, that's at the core of Rosh Hashanah. So that's why Nehemiah said, don't cry at the morning. Okay? So now I said to you, he's going to quote the Tikkun Ezar over and over and over again. In the introduction to the Tikkun Ezar, it says, Pasuk Mishlei, Like a bird who tarries, who wanders from its nest, so too a person wanders from their place. Mm-hmm. Right, like these wandering, like these wandering birds, misplaced birds. So says the Tikkun Ezar, What's the bird that's wandered from its nest? The bird is the Shekhinah, is God's presence, which has been distanced from its place. And the Shekhinah has been misplaced. Like a bird, mm-hmm. 
From the time of the destruction of the Beit Mikdash, God's presence, the Shekhinah, the Malchut, the kingship of God, the majesty has descended to far-off places. It's not where it should be. The palace has been abandoned. Okay. And furthermore, the Tikkunin go on and say, so to a person is wandering from their own place, down Moshe. This is Moshe. We'll read on, he's going to explain, but the Tikkunin go on and, and say that the Ish, that's, that's, that's traversing, kind of wandering from their own place, the misplaced people start to speak about Tzadikim while wandering the earth like the Shekhinah. We'll read on a little Who is the person who's wandering from the place? person who's a tzaddik, who is walking navinav, right? That was kind of a sense to wander listlessly, so to speak. From their place in the Shekhinah. A person is walking the path of the Shekhinah. So the Shekhinah, God's presence, has been misplaced. And so too, people who are truly attuned to the state of things in this world are wandering the earth, like the Shekhinah, or the language here is in the Shekhinah. They're actually with the Shekhinah, walking without a home. And I'm sure we all know that this was a practice of Tzadikim throughout the generations, to, to exile themselves, to attach themselves to the Shekhinah and exile. We have uh, accounts of uh, Ramak, of Moshe Kodavero, of his wanderings with, uh, in, in personal exile of Shkima, among the stories of Rebzusha and Rebbe Melech, who, who lived homelessly, who attached himself to the Shkima, who was homeless. So this is t- the Tikkunim is, is speaking about a person who's like this lost bird, who's, who's walking with the lost bird. So now the Rebbe is going to explain. Shemoshe Rabbeinu v'gam ha-tzadik nodedim mashchina mimakom kdushatam v'shorosham l'mala. Moshe Rabbeinu, our eternal teacher, and, and likewise all, all true tzadikim who, who are embodying the, the voice of Torah. So they wander with the shechina from their holy place and their root above. In their wanderings, they, they come close to every one of us. Mm-hmm. Right? They leave, they like you think holy people, holy souls, they have no they don't they don't need to be connected to this world. But but they leave the realm of holiness to descend to our life, to, to their their innocent messengers to come and, and, and connect us to, to a holy reality that's lost. <coughs> lost in our world. Yeah. So in their wanderings, they they meet people like us. <laughs> even the lowest people they connect they, they touch the, the spirit and the heart of people to give them light and to lift them but not everybody descends and wanders together with the Shechina I, I think if, if I'm not mistaken he's saying not not even all righteous people. About, about all the souls, the, Zohar, the Tikkunim go on to say, now they're bringing what's, something else with another bird association we just read on, on Shabbos, the mitzvah of Shiluch Akan, of sending away the mother bird. Mm-hmm. 
Tunim in the Hakdama, it's all about the mother Shalech to Shalech et Ha'im. It says about all the different souls, um, the Tikkunim go on and talk about the teachers of Mishnah, of, of Mikra, of Torah, of this and that, all these teachers, it's, it says about them, send off the mother bird. Why, why are you sending off the mother bird? The late Godfrey did the whole Shleni in the Parchim Bahan. The mother bird is sent away because the chicks were the teachers. Okay, the chicks don't have strong or mature enough wings to fly. So they send off the mother bird. Just, just go with me for a minute, okay? Mm-hmm. But then the Tikkunim say, but, but Mari Kabbalah, the masters of Kabbalah, of, of the inner dimensions of Torah, with them, we don't take the mother away from the children because they remain connected with the mother. This is what the Tikkunim say. Okay, so, so again, righteous people, righteous souls, teachers come to this world to connect people in all sort of distance, distance and low places to its holiness. But even then, they don't all merit to remain attached to the Shekhinah, who's, who's exiled. Even for them, it says the mother bird, in this case, the Shekhinah, she gets sent away from them because their wings aren't strong enough to fly with them. But the Mare Kabbalah, the masters of Kabbalah, like the Tikkunis I was speaking about, for them it says, no, they stay together with them. You don't separate them from each other. That they stay together, they can be in exile together with, with God's exile. Okay, let's read on. He says, look at the commentary on, on, on this work. So the Kisei Melech, one of the commentaries on the Tikkun Ezar, brings another source in the Zohar. It says, there's such things as, there's people who are called Mare Kabbalah, people who are masters of Kabbalah, but then there are people who are called Mare Raze Torah, masters of the secrets of Torah. And it's only the masters of secrets of Torah who stay together with the Shekhinah, with the mother bird. Not just masters of Kabbalah. They too can be exiled. But somebody who's tuned into Raze Torah, they're the ones who stay together with the mother bird. Okay. Mm-hmm. Keep the paradigm mm-hmm. with us here. And, uh, yeah. We find, therefore, that now after the Chorban, right after the destruction of the Temple, all fallenness, every fall, every descent, it comes from this wandering, from this mother bird who's out of place. The Shekhinah is wandering from her home, and we too. This is our fall. This is this is all of our fallen states, of our fallen experiences. It's, it's from this misplacement that is it's rooted in the Chorban Abayit, Bedemikash, the Shechina being chased away. The Gam Baderach Hanididar Mechokim Ashechina, and even as we wander 
we're also not connected with the Shekhinah. So it's one thing, it would be enough if God is wandering and we're somehow like together with God, like you could think of the nature on the desert, right, with the Anan, Ananayakavu, the clouds hovering over them and the fire and, and the man. But no, God is wandering lost and we're also wandering lost and we're not even wandering with God. We're like in two different wildernesses. This is what we're dealing with. But the masters of the hidden Torah, or the secrets of Torah, they are close to the Shekhinah. They're the ones who have no concealment and 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 misdeed or an off reality that keeps them distanced from God. A disconnect. Their wanderings bring only benefit. In order to bring light to souls of Am Yisrael, even to people in their lowest places. There are some people who are so tuned in, who are able to remain connected to, to God even when they wander into all these low places. And you can meet people there and, and help Bring them that light. Everybody else for whom the tikkunim say the mother is sent away from them, right? The bird, they're, they're away from the nest. Even the holy people, even teachers of Torah, there's still times when they just completely fall because of this hiddenness, because of this detachment. So that, therefore, what is our holy work? What is our job? What is the, the whole thing about? It's about becoming close to the Shekhinah, to the presence of God, to the Malchut of God, to God's kingship. And to be, in, to, to reach that quality of a Mar, the masters of the secrets of Torah according to our own abilities. But each one of us, that's our avoda, is to become tuned into the secrets of Torah, tuned into the exiled Shrina, to the wandering holy reality, to the degree to which we can. You mean this time of year? Yeah. We'll, we'll get to what's unique about this time of year. You're, you're forecasting. <laughs> where we're going to go. Remember the Rebbe said, start off by saying, we're crying on Rosh Hashanah, tears of joy and strength, not tears of mourning or sadness. So it's known that Malchut, right, where he's saying that the Avoda, our worship of God has to do with coming close to the Shekinah in her exile. So the Malchut of God is called Bate Burai. The outer chambers. Gemara there in Chagiga says that in the outer chambers, it's Oz V'ched Babin God's place is always one of strength and of joy. The inner chamber is God. God can have a broken heart and cry. But the Malchut, the Marshal, the great commentary on the Gemara says that the outer chambers is a reference to the Malchut. That God's kingship is a place of, of joy, even, even in the exile, when you connect to God in that place, it's one of just expansive joy and strength. Okay? So this is the Lachana Truva Tsukhaliopasimcha. So what right, our avoda, our work is to come close to, to touching that 
place of godliness, a point of godliness, so it has to be powered and fueled with joy. It has to be an experience of strengthening, not of um, destroying us, mm -hmm. right? I mean, attaching to the Shekhinah, to the Malchut, is by definition, it's going to be an experience of joy. We'll be experiencing joy in this, in this world. Because there's a strength that persists even when we meet God in exile. It's true. I'm, I'm, I'm a low creature. I'm far away from God. And who knows if it's ever going to be possible for me to do tshuva, to transcend or overcome all of my flaws and my imperfections. Aval Hashem But you know what? This and what he's doing here, by the way, he's articulating for us what the joy and strength looks like. Yes, it's true. I I know what I am and who I am. But nonetheless, Hashem Salah. God is is good and forgiving. I say that every single day in, in Tfilah. He El Tov there's a quality of God that transcends my brokenness. God's goodness and forgiveness is stronger still than my messiness, than my imperfection. And even though I've made so many promises over and over and over again, and my days are just passing, continuing to pass in, in such a low, I'm in just such a low place still. It could be there was 10 years ago, I had a good 10 years ahead of me to do all this, and, and look how much time has passed. Look at all the days and the months and the weeks. And I didn't do it. I, made, I had so many good intentions and promises. By the way, like I'm already feeling Yom Kippur, right? You start to say, you say, like, everything I promised, forget about it. Meaningless. saying, look at all the promises I made. Look at all the things I thought and said that I would strive for. How's it going to be possible if I couldn't do it 10 years ago when I had the strength and the poise and the desire to do it? Well, I'm going to do it now. Now I'm going to finally make good on all that. Mikol makom, nonetheless. right? Even, even so, even with all of that admission of how my life really, truly is, et azer b'chol kuchi. I'm going to try again. I'm going to gird myself with all the strength that I have. Et chazeg me'ata. And from this moment on, be stronger. This is the statement of Oz v'ched v'avim koma. This is a statement of what it looks like to have hope on Rosh Hashanah. We, we face the deen. The deen isn't something you ignore. We're not happy because we're ignoring the deen. We come to shul in white clothes and we daven and we, we're sincere on that day because we're tapping into a possibility that still lives within us and that still lives in our world even though we see all that we haven't been. All that is true. And yet there's a time to touch potential and, and, and draw strength, which is whatever happened... And whatever I am, it's possible to to draw strength at this moment.
right? Or as as Chazal says, that a person is judged ba'asher husham in the place they are. Chayut chaseli. I don't have energy. I don't have vitality anymore. Hitrachut v'hastarat panim hayali v'nafalti. I've I've experienced distance. I've experienced God's God being hidden from me, and I fell. But now in this moment, I'm going to draw a close to God. Hashem Yikarveni, God, please bring me close. Illuminate, light up my heart and my mind. And let me serve God from this moment on. Whole and and simple. This is just kind of an aside, but we see throughout uh, the Rebbe's writings, especially in Derech HaMelech, he'll, he'll, he'll basically model for us. You know, he, I, I feel like he's teaching here and he just starts praying. Mm-hmm. You know, he like took himself to that place. And this is what it, this is what it looks like mm-hmm. for a human being, a real human being, mm-hmm. to, to be real about, about our own lives and, and, and still want to come close to God. Right? This, this is what realistic hope looks like. Exactly. Realistic. Realistic. <laughs> now, but now, now listen, this is the part that, uh, listen to what the Rebbe says. Kol inyan ha-chet bazman entire The whole reality of chet, of sin, of misguidedness. In this time, in our day and age, hu min It It comes, it's a, a outgrowth of loss and of distance, of what's gone, what's missing. Sin exists because there's so much that's missing. Okay, that's all, the whole idea of sin in our day and age is that it's because we're missing so much, because we're so far. From this mother bird being sent off, from being completely disconnected and, and, and passed away from God's presence. We're going to see more as we read on this paragraph, but, but already we're hearing a complete shift in the way we think about the idea of, of sin. Right? Who sent God away from, from the Beit HaMikdash? This was, okay, there were human beings who were responsible for this, but but who got up and left to the Beit HaMikdash? The Prophet decided enough Shechina is, is, is leaving the building. And, and now what we have left is, is like groping in the dark. So everybody says, okay, you're aware of your sins. You fall a lot of the time. You feel like you have no hope. Welcome to the world. Welcome to the world. This is what it's like in our day. But, but it's not because you're bad. It's not because you're That's irreparable. Mm-hmm. Don't take all the credit here, okay? <laughs> Don't think it's all about you. you. There's so much, the whole world is, is, has been distanced from God. So, so what else is there going to be? What, what else do you expect to, to look at when we live so distanced from, from holiness, from Shechina? Let's read on here, okay? It Yitzhak Davod the Gemara says that the Anshei Knesset Agdola already a couple thousand years ago, they vanquished the desire to serve 
idolatry to serve foreign gods. Rabbi says it wasn't just going to bow to a, a rock. That's not the only yetzer the desire to serve foreign gods. The foreign worship that is at the core of any sin, they also did away with. It means already that, that sin from that point on, sin from the korban and on, sin from the time of Anshik Nezitakadola and on, we're not turning our backs on God. We're not actually denouncing God. Listen to what he has to say. Somebody who truly knows their master. And their heart, their mind, it's not disconnected from God. It's not disconnected from holiness. And they go ahead and, and go against God's word. There you have a little, you, there you have a spark of, of foreign worship. But the Anshaykhness of the world said, you know what, this doesn't exist anymore. Nobody knows, knows God anymore and, and chooses to do something against God's will. Mm-hmm. And in, in our day and age as well. When a, when a person feels some kind of awakening, some kind of holiness alive in them, they're not going to sin in that moment. When they're able to actually be a little bit close, so we know like we're we're game, you know. We're we're we're, we're happy to, to go ahead with it. Yeah, you're that you're in that space. You can't sin. Yeah. Right. it's only when you fall out right, right. out of that right. space. Right. So when when we have an awakening, when we're feeling that mm-hmm. there's holiness inside of us, we're not going to go against yeah. that. If we're in this not reality, we're in this wandering reality. There's times when we touch it, and then we're we're not going to be railing against God. We live in a fallen world, so we live as a fallen life to the degree that we're people who live in, in this fallen reality. And, and, and even more so, if right now we had the level of revelation that there was in the days of the Beit HaMikdash, that there was when there were prophets walking around. In that time of, of God's presence being truly revealed in the world, he says, all of Am Yisrael, they were like, they were like God's angels, even in their bodies. I'm thinking about what he means by that. One thing, one thing that, that occurs to me is that you know, like all those myths of Tuma and Tahara, like such thing as your body living in a state of purity, because you know that you're coming into contact with the living flesh. Like we have, it's just this conceptual thing for us now. We have no idea what it, Tuma and Tahara means. We have no idea what it's like to engage in a visceral, physical way with, with godliness directly. But when we do have some inkling of that feeling, so we're totally there. We're not gonna. We're not gonna do chatatim. But that's not what our world looks like. Rak b'sha'ash in ezav, but in a time when a person has been abandoned, when they've been left, no dead whom in komo mekomak So they wander from their place. 
from the place of holiness. The Eino Miraze Tola. And they're not included among those who are Mare Raze Tola, right? The ones who are included in this, this that secret secret of Torah. Lo shlemim lay God for the parachubu who has the Tukunezar says they don't have wings to fly. Vinisharhu Nezav the Galut. And the person remains abandoned. Exile. Nezav in Nakhsho. Abandoned together with their soul. Sarota Nef, the pains of their soul. Vinezav the goof, the Agot Kufaniota, and abandoned in body, and all sorts of concerns of material concerns. This is where all sin comes from. But again, don't sit there crying mournfully. Nehemiah was telling the people too, okay, you didn't have the Torah. God's ready to, to celebrate with you. If you're going to cry, you should cry from, from the hope that that allows you to about all of these things, all of this reality, the Ish Israel, the person whose soul of Israel cries out, says unto him, Eli, Eli, Lama Azatani, my God, my God, why are you abandoning me? Every prayer. Every true prayer we have, every cry and scream and fetch we have to God, there's a single prayer that rises up from that, saying, God, why did you leave me? Even when a person is praying over their, their own personal concerns, their, the need, these material needs, I need money, I need food, I have a, a bum leg, I, whatever it is, this, it's even not all of it. It's really, there's just this one thing that we're praying. The one prayer we're saying, all of our prayers is, why did you leave me? Why did you distance yourself from me? Why did you cast me? What's the prayer behind it? That's just one thing I have to say. Because everything else is just a is just a, a, a prot of this. It's all a byproduct of being of being neglected. Another bird through the coop, right? That's like literally what we're talking about. Mm. And and we have just as our default position, we're not attached to Razetara, to this sort of hidden, concealed place where God is, is, is here in full presence in Revelation. Most of us, we're not, we're not, we're, our world is just not, it's not in a revealed way. That's not how we live. That's not the world that we exist within. So what we have to say to God is, why did you leave me? Why did you leave me? And, you know, we actually say Psukim over and over again in, in Tishrei, right? Uh, every Chazar of Hashem, we open up. Right? Don't cast us away from before you. Don't take your Holy Spirit away from us. 
Don't cast us away in, in our old age. We have no strength left. Don't leave us. Don't abandon us. It's like so simple. But it's, it's the, the prayer that we're basically, it's, it's this murmur, this groan that, that, that lying beneath all of our other, all of those details that we have to say to God, all the details of our life, is this one cry, this one groan. When a person is sick, God forbid, say they have a fever, and they feel that they have a really bad headache, and they scream, they cry over their headache. Are they really crying just because of their head? They're crying because they're, they're screaming out because they're, they have a disease, because they're ill. But since right now they feel in their head, so they're crying about their head. But the cry, the scream, is about the entire illness. So too. Every person, we all know that all of the individual falls, all of the descents of our soul, all of our pains, all of our bodies fall. It all comes from this abandonment that we've been passed with. Because even somebody who's screaming just about their sins, not about this, the big picture, which is this distance from God. If they, if they do true, but just over this one, you know, behavior or this one sin, there's a, there's a whole list of things of, Rabbi is saying, this is, it's chutzpidik, somebody who does this. It's chutzpidik, it's brazen, it's arrogant. So the last line there, if I was taking this, it's chutzpah to me, somebody who goes around um, detailing their sins, focusing on their, the, the shot there in the Gemara is somebody who's being explicit about, oh, and I did this, and they're saying, and I did this, and I did this, because it's as if to say, like, they have no fear to talk about all the things that they did wrong. But, but what the Rebbe is doing about this is saying, you're going around saying, oh, this is where I, this is where I was. Oh, and it was just, you know, I, I put on my tefillin this way and I did, you know, six instead of seven and I'm sorry, God, and I'll make sure to never do that again. That's chutzpah. To stand there talking to God about your individual sins. You think you're, you're this, in, in, in your entire life, you're this pure, righteous person, oh, you messed up here, and you messed up there, and fix those things in your picture. Get over it. It's chutzpah to stand there and talk to God about your sins. Because you're assuming that the big picture isn't missing. You're assuming that on the big picture, you're all good, and there's just a few adjustments you need to make. Which may be connected to why we don't we don't say we do it all in Rosh Hashanah. Right? We're going to get to the nature of Rosh Hashanah itself soon. Right now we're just talking big picture, chuba, distance. But Rosh Hashanah, we don't talk about sins at all. What's there to talk about? 
Uchuvata ish Israel, but the, the tshuva, the real tshuva here, even when we do, we, you know, obviously we, we do have a pattern. We, need, we, we look at the individual things, the individual components of our life, and those are the places where we try to make improvements, where we try to make progress. So yeah, even if we're doing tshuva for the individual pieces, but the tshuva still, even with all of the details, it needs to be on the entire azeva, the abandonment itself. That's where we need to make the truth. That's the divide we need to That's where we need to build a bridge. And that, that core gap between us and God. That is the cause. That's the root cause of why we have all these individual places in our life where we're on. Why we have all of these places where we've fallen, where we continue to fall. It's not because of those things themselves. There's a root cause to it, and that's the place where the truva needs to needs to take place. That's where it needs to be focused. The azkishemargishita azevabichlav, and then when when we can feel on the large scale our abandonment, a distance from that. So then, also, when we dive in about specific things that we're lacking in our, in our lives, whether they're physical needs, whether they're spiritual needs, the places where we're weak, the places that are just, we just feel completely off. And then we become one truth, one truth. Then all of the details are part of that attempt to actually draw close to God. Kulan Shuva. They're all part of, of returning to God. Shemishtokek Lashuvu Itkarev the Dusha, where it's thirsting to draw close to return to this holiness. The Kulan Tzoek, in all of those small details, all those words that we're saying, it's, it's all screaming one thing. Hashivenu Hashemelech. Bring us close to you, God. Shiloya Nezah. Don't let me be. Don't leave me. I mean, already the Rebbe is giving us some guidance here. First of all, the Rebbe is telling us, you know what? If you really want to do this tshuva thing, you got to do it at the root. If you do it just at the outer branches and leaves it, you're, it's like you're pruning a bush. But, but the bush is, is sick. You're treating the symptoms instead of the cause. And and it's and you're, you're fooling yourself. And it's chutzpah. What, what we have to do, Rabbi says here, we have to allow ourselves to feel how just thrust away we are. I just, we have to be castaways. We have to feel the abandonment. We have to feel God's abandonment of us. And from that place, that's where true prayer comes from. And, and, and if we get to the details, the details are, are stemming from there. Objectively, the details are stemming from there in our lives. And for us to do tshuva from our own inner experience, we have to see all of it as part of the, the big thing. Not like God, you know, get me new shoes. My shoes, my shoes are dirty. 
Not even God give me a new leg. My, my leg is broken. God, I'm, I'm sick. I, I'm just, I'm lost. You're lost. Where are we, Bichlal? How could you do this? You're just the simple, but in some ways more painful, because we have to we have to allow the enormity of it to sink it's in. It's very existential. So let, it's very existential. It's, it's touching the core. Yeah. We have to. We have to. It has to be from it's the core. Far more painful than your shoes. Right. <laughs> it's far more painful right. than. Yeah. And the thing is, in some ways, it's more painful. But the thing is that there, there's also a deep comfort in here. Because we are so pained over the mistakes we continue to not be able to get over. I keep falling into the same trap. I'm never going to come close to God. Guess what? You keep falling into the same trap because because you live in the gutter. And and you don't live in the gutter because you chose it. This is is our starting point. Just just look at our, open your eyes. Look at our world. God is homeless. God made you homeless. That's where you got to start. You don't have a spiritual home in this world. Start to pray from that place. And that's where you can meet God. That's where you have a chance to start entering into whatever realm of Kishat is. Don't think that the starting point is you're supposed to be perfect and supposed to not have mistakes and, and sins. It's like, are you kidding? Or any of us kidding? From, from the moment of the Chorban, are you saying this is nothing new? For thousands of years already, there's been no such thing as about a Zara and, and, and no Shekhinah that we can identify in this world. No godly presence revealed to us. That is our starting point. So, so you're not to, you can't be beating yourself up there. This isn't about the mistakes you make. This isn't about the mistakes that you made. This is about an opportunity for you to find the place inside of you that can hope to take a step closer to God and can, can beg God to take a step closer to, to the world. Think about all the prayers of Rosh Hashanah. Just you think about what we pray for. What are we saying? Make the world so aware of your presence that it's that we're stricken by it. Right? Let the world just prostrate themselves before you, not because they're all serving foreign gods, but because we have no idea where you are. Come out of hiding. Bring the worlds together with every relation to actually be able to, to live in a godly way. To live up with our whole heart. Not with this idea that we're so, still scoping in the dark after. Wait, how, what, what comes after that? Soon. Anu. As if we know God. Okay, there's different ways you could type stuff, but we're admitting in those prayers that we don't know that you run the world. And we're praying the whole time. Very simple things. God, let the world know that you run the world. Let the world know about you. Right? Well, where does it go? Um, let, let the world have an awareness that you're such a pumping existence. 
that you're behind all of reality. Let us have, let every creature have the innate understanding of where we come from. We, we're just basically playing over and over again. We're saying, here's a day where we can address our source and just say, we don't know where you are. Please show us it. Show us Show the whole, and not just us, the whole world. The whole world. As the Rabbi says here, Hashivenu Hashem Elecha, bring us close to you, Shalom Eheye Nezach Nimcha, so that I will not be abandoned from by you anymore. Don't let us continue to be abandoned. I'll read one more uh, paragraph, okay? Yeah? Right, I, I told you the Tikkun Ezor and the Tehillim, it's like the two hands of, of Elul, those are the things that Hasidim are, Hasidim are saying every day in Elul. David Melech, who wrote this Tehillim, Kaili, Kaili, Lama, the Kohen of God, my God, why did you abandon me? He wrote it for us too. He wasn't just talking about his own that experience in that moment. If you read Tehillim Kafet, Tehillim 22, the Rebbe is now fleshing out from that paragraph to Tehillim how David Melch is touching all the whole parts, all parts of this spectrum. As he says, God, you are the Holy One, you sit upon the praises of Amisrael. What David Melch is doing in this prayer, after he says, God, God, why did you abandon me? He turns to God and he says, come on, God, you need us to not be abandoned. Your throne, your, th- your throne in this world is the praises of Am Yisrael, those people who you left. The praises of Am Yisrael, that is your throne of glory in this world. You know where your throne is now? They are abandoned. They are nifgamim. They've been battered and abandoned. Your throne is broken because of this, God. In the very same breath, he's also praying about... Um, the, the needs of humanity, of his own needs. I'm the disgrace of every human being. I'm the, the scorned, we're the scorned of all the nations. Everyone who sees me, they're going to taunt me and laugh at me. Then he jumps in the next line to a, to a prayer about spiritual matters. Save my soul from the sword. Miyad kelev yechidati, my yechida, my one, the part of me that's bound up in oneness, save it from the hungry dogs. Al kol madrigot nefesh Rabbi says, ad ha-yechida mitpelel. David Melch is praying from the nefesh, from the fleshly soul to the yechida, to the place that's completely bound up with God, save the whole, save every part of my soul's existence. Shalol tipol v'yidea sitra achrachas b'sham, so that it does not fall. Into, into foreign hands, God. All hatfilot. So Rebbe's reading here that David Amalekh is, is showing us here too. All prayers, all prayers about our body, all prayers about our soul, all prayers for God's sake in this world. It's all one prayer about this abandonment. Mm. 
God, my God, why did you abandon me? Right? Just, also, God is called here Eli. There's a, it starts, the starting point is, I know that you and I belong together and that you've left me. It's not some conceptual theology we're talking about. It's imminent. It's personal. You gotta take it personally. Very real. We gotta take it personally that God isn't showing up for us. For our that's that's what the Rebbe is saying. Where, where we have to start. Um, is it okay with you for me to read a few more sentences? Yeah. Because yeah. yeah. okay. uh, I do want us to be get enough ahead here that we can get into the next piece next week. Right, going back to the source here. All of the this abandonment, this is the reality for everyone who is not among the Mare Raze Torah, the people who are not living in the secret of Torah. Because those who are living in the Torah secrets, even in exile, even in their Yerida, even in their descent, in their fallenness, Krovim Nishmatam Nashkina, there. What it means to be attached to the secrets of Torah is that even in, in your fall and even in the exile reality you live in, you're still close to God. Your soul is bound up with it. So what we need to do is come closer to being among those who are the masters of Razi Torah, the ones who are tuned into that secret. Even, even people who aren't we're not the elites here. We're not the, the masters of, of the generation. That's uh, understanding. <laughs> According to your level, to your life, to who you are, there's an access point. And that's your secret. That's your secret. Right? What did David Melch say? David Melch said that Am Yisrael is the throne of God. Every single one of us is, is a part of God's throne. There's a spark of God's holiness that, that is alive within us and that we reveal in our, in our individual being. However, we are, there's, there's a piece of God that's living with us. That's why in the Tikkun it says that Yisrael is the letters Shir El, the song of God. Yisrael is not just the people who come from a guy named Israel. Yisrael, the souls of Israel are God's song. Zeu Yisrael. What is Yisrael truly? God's greatness and holiness is revealed through them in this world by, by sparkling, sparkling within them. And they uncover it, bring it, and share it, and carry it in the world. It said that you hear on the prayer, the introductory prayer to Tehillim. Through the merit of saying to Hillam, let the the um, 
I don't know. I don't remember what kind of flower this is, but the flower, the, the lily of the valley, rose of the rose, the rose, rose of Sharon, the rose of Sharon. Let it awaken to sing in a beautiful voice. This is a symbol of the of the togetherness of Amishpah. This singing rose. The prayer that we say before saying Tehillim is through Tehillim. Let the song of your flower sing. Tehillim is meant to let this song be uncovered. To let the song that each one of us participates in and is, so to speak, a note of God's song that's not being heard in the world, that is, that's, that's what we're here to do, to sing that song. That's the prayer behind the prayer. <laughs> Prayers, let the song, let the song be sung, let the song be heard. What the Rebbe is urging us to do here is to touch, to feel into the core of what's missing between us and God. To not just hold on to small details that we can point to, oh, this is the thing I messed up in, and here's where I messed up, and here's where I'm never going to make it. You don't get any chizuk there. You don't get any strength from that, and you, you don't actually come close to God that way. Because our distance from God is, is, is existential. It's core. It's real. And it's not absolute. And it's through feeling into that place where God has abandoned me, where I can turn and say, why have you left me? From that prayer itself, what is beneath that prayer is, is the part of me that, that can draw strength. Because there's a part of me there that's still strong. There's a part of me that knows that we, this isn't where I'm supposed to be. This isn't where you're supposed to be. There's a song, there's a, a, um, an audible song murmuring beneath all of that. That if I can turn to God from that place, if I can turn inward and, and touch into that place and, and pray from that place and even just sit in that place, mm -hmm. this is where the bridge can be, can be built. This is where the bridge can be built. Many of these recordings are from Rabbi Ami's ongoing weekly classes given at Yeshivat Sharei Shalom in Jerusalem. For more information, go to shalom.org.il forward slash about. This podcast is supported in part from a grant from the Hadar Institute. The music is by Rav Daniel Kohn. The audio engineer is David Kwan. For more from the Shefa Podcast Network, visit our Facebook page and please subscribe and leave a review on Apple Podcasts.